Okay, so in Nehemiah, the, uh, the Israelites exiled for 70 years, just in my own personal Bible study, we'd read Jeremiah, where the Lord just over and over uh, told them that they would be destroyed, but he also told them that they would be, um, he also told them that um, they would be destroyed and exiled, but after 70 years, they would uh, return to Jerusalem. And so we're in the middle of Nehemiah, which that has happened uh, previous to the book of Nehemiah and Ezra under Jerubbabel and Jeshua, which was the high priest. The temple was um, established. This is now at a later time. And uh, Nehemiah has gone back to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the walls. It's something like almost 90 years after the Jews had come back into the area and the, the temple worship was threatened because of just the enemies being able to just encroach upon the temple and the people were at a low point and so they were, uh, they were encouraged to come back and by the Lord and just miraculously Nehemiah who had been Artaxerxes cupbearer was given the opportunity to start up the gates to build up the gates and the walls of Jerusalem and as I mentioned last week this book more than any other in the Bible actually by far is a book about the devices of the devil. It, it is a lesson, an instruction on how the devil attacks us. As a church, when we start up a ministry, or individually, when we start getting into ministry, how the devil attacks us. And so, um, we will, chapter 4 is... Uh, just uh, a continuation of that. Again, Second Corinthians 2.11, it says that you need to be on your guard lest Satan should take advantage of you. You need to know what his devices are. Dennis Harris, does anyone know who he is? Gave me this book. Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks, written in the year 1652. And uh, Luis and I read through the whole book together. It's a great book. And it's really a fantastic book, although it is true that our focus should not be on Satan. It needs to be on Jesus. But it's a good book. Um, if you want to really read <laughs> every conceivable device that Satan has, it's in this book. But, but, but it's, if you don't want to read that, there's uh, Nehemiah. And so in Nehemiah, it begins chapter 4. It says, but it so happened when Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was 
furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. Now notice, so this is a device of Satan mocking you, especially when you're in a weak place, um, in a place with not a whole lot of strength from a, uh, in the natural, uh, that being, being mocked, like, look at these people. What a lame excuse for whatever. They're not going to be able to succeed in whatever they do. And what's really interesting to me is it says they were furious and indignant and they mocked. So you notice the connection between being furious and angry and mocking. And so you know, oftentimes you'll hear me say, uh, oftentimes you'll, you'll hear me say, um, particularly in political season, it's all the nonsense is getting started up again, uh, where um, there's just uh, so much fury in this country and it's a divided country, but I hear from pulpits so often mocking of political opponents and all that tells me is they have hatred in their hearts. Hatred and anger in their hearts. Because you see here, the Word of God says, there's a connection between your hatred, between hatred and anger and mocking. When you mock someone, there's something about you that despises or hates them. And so I, I, I hope uh, that you all and anyone hearing this will repent if there's been any of that in you, just mocking politicians and, um, and, and, um, and, and the government, or whether it's the, the, the current president or, or, or former president or whatever. Um, but, but, but this is a device of Satan against you too, being laughed at. It's hard to be laughed at. I've been sharing with you guys. I've been out on the streets um, sharing quite a bit, so I've had a lot of people laughing at me. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, it's not, it's not easy to be laughed at, and especially at the beginning of a work where you haven't seen the... F it's a little easier for me to be laughed at today than uh, 35 years ago. Um, it, 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 and uh, it's, it's, it's a device of Satan um, to, to, to mock in that way. And uh, it says, verse 2, and he spoke before his brethren, meaning Sambalat, and the army of Samaria, and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now remember that Jerusalem is a bunch of rubble still, which is really sad because they had gotten there 90 years before, and they had rebuilt the temple, and there's still rubble all around. And this is one of the things that Nehemiah heard about when he was in the king's cabinet. And it caused him so much grief. And he wept. And he prayed to the Lord. If you're weeping, please don't, uh, please be, don't be ashamed that you're weeping. But please, I hope your weeping turns into prayer. Because weeping without prayer is not of God. <laughs> and, and, and so it's just the flesh. 
Um, and so his weeping turned to prayer because he, he was weeping though because he heard about these heaps of rubble. And it says the stones that are burned, that Jerusalem had burned, and uh, the, 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 the stones of the walls and the buildings and the houses had been overturned and, and they're like burned rubble. It just was really not representing the glory of God. I don't know if you know this, but Freddie, Pastor Freddie, is painting um, that ginormous church that he has up there in Woburn, and it's incredibly expensive, although he miraculously, a Christian painter came along and has offered him, uh, is doing it. I think they start tomorrow. We can pray about that tonight. But um, uh, this great, the, uh, a great price, but... He asked me, you know, he got some opposition. You know, he's getting opposition. Why are we spending all this money painting? And I'm completely 100% for him because it's just a bad representation and witness to the city to have a church that is looking so run down, and it's a bad witness. And so I personally said, no, I, I think that is a great thing. And so um, we can pray for that. But Jerusalem at this time is just, it's, it, it was a representation of the glory of God. And in the book of, um, I think it's Haggai, he said that the glory of the second temple will be greater than the first temple, but things are still looking really bad. Uh, and, and so uh, there's this burnt rubble. The enemies of, of, of Israel are saying, look at this feeble excuse for uh, strength and power, these Jews. They actually think they're going to rebuild these walls. Verse 3, now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. So they're just mocking, and this is what Satan will do for you. Again, the book of Nehemiah, a lesson, a study on how Satan attacks you, mocking you and laughing at you. It's a hard thing. I remember at the very beginning of my walk, um, the guy who discipled me, Don, he's been to church actually a couple times, but this is a long time ago. This is 37 years ago. He said, oh yeah, the, he, the, I, I was, there were some students around and I was in the school with the students and my friend Don goes, yeah, Steve and I are going to a Bible study and one guy who knew me goes, Steve at a Bible study? <laughs> that really, really was powerful. It was a powerful attack against me. And, and so th this is a device of Satan, and I'm sure it's, uh, it's in this book, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices, recommended by Dennis Harris himself, and um, in, in a good book. But mockery um, is a serious device by the devil. And what's the response? What's the response that we should have to being mocked? Someone shout it out confidently. Uh, that's prayer. How can you get joy without prayer? So that's what he does. Verse 4, hear, hear, oh, our God. So he just say, oh, you know, I'm being persecuted. This is right here. Look at Christians all the time. Oh, look, I'm being persecuted. They're saying they're mocking me. Oh, everyone pat me on the back and tell me how great I am. No. 
You go to your knees and you pray to the Lord. You pray to the Lord, and that's what we see, and that's what we're going to see throughout this book. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. He's just opening up his heart to the Lord. We are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. And so, you know, we do, we are in a, a new covenant, which the book of Hebrews says is a better covenant. And in this covenant, it says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And they're mighty in God for bringing down um, strongholds. And the weapons of our warfare are love in a way that really didn't exist in the Old Testament. And, and, you know, with these prayers and David's prayers where he's doing the same thing, break their teeth, Lord. I, don't have, I have no problem with that. I don't struggle with it at all. You're supposed to bear your heart to the Lord. Just tell him what's on your mind. However, we are in the better covenant. And the solution is always love. And praying for our enemies. But here he is, he's just being honest. And, 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 he is, and in this sense, I think it's a perfectly legitimate um, prayer. Vengeance is yours, Lord. Vengeance is, is yours. Hebrews chapter 10. How many people here have already chosen their 12 verses for the next scripture memory? All right. Is there anyone besides Mary and me? Okay, okay. You chose? Uh, how about I choose one for uh, choose twelve verses for Matt right now? I'll just choose the the verses for you. Uh, John chapter fourteen, verses one. No, you can choose them yourself. Uh, but but it's I, I just did um, Hebrews ten for the last one, and ah, oh, it's just so great. At the end of Hebrews ten, it says, "We know him who said, 'Vengeance is mine,' says the Lord." I just love that. It's like we know this God who says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so in, in, in this prayer, he's saying, God, you're the one that take vengeance. It's not, we, we can't deal with these people. You deal with them. He, so, so they're despised. He knows his call. It's a wonderful thing, knowing the call of God. He knows his call. He, the Lord has already, already made it really clear. You began a good work and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's what verse of what chapter of the Bible? What? All right, Nadia, Philippians 1.6. You can memorize the first 12 verses of Philippians. That's what you get for raising your hand and volunteering. But um, uh, by the way, I'm memorizing Ephesians 2. It's just a fabulous chapter. It's my mission to try to do the whole book. That's my goal. Uh, of Ephesians. So you can pray for me on that, but also pray for yourselves. It's a wonderful thing, memorizing. But, but, but um, uh, Nehemiah, his calling is so strong because he's already seen the Lord. He, he, remember, he was in the presence of um, Artaxerxes, and Artax he was sad, and he was upset, and Artaxerxes looked at him and said, why are you so sad? And every commentator will tell you 
someone could be killed for looking sad in the emperor's presence at that time. You just don't do that. It's like, who likes to be, um, have someone come into their presence in a bad mood? No one. But when you're the emperor, you really don't want to go into their presence in a bad You're going to lose your life. But, uh, and, and, but the emperor said, why is your face so sad? And, and he used it as an opportunity. My people in Jerusalem, 900 miles away, it's, it's a mess. Can you, um, can, can you uh, please do something about it? And, and he was granted permission to go back. So he already knows his calling, and he's able to be strong in the prayer here to God. Look at you deal with them, Lord. We know him who said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You deal with him. Uh, and he, so he prays. So when you are mocked and you are feeling really, really little because you're mocked, someone's laughing at you, pray. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't call your friend and, and ask them to pat you on the back because people are mocking you. Don't do that. Just go to God. Go to the Lord and pray. Verse, um, verse 6. So we built the wall. Praise the Lord. He's being faithful here. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. You see, again, the Lord is doing a work here. And one thing that I have learned, particularly on our elder board, is that I don't like doing anything unless there's unanimity. I don't think we've ever done anything unless it's unanimous. And if, some, if one person is holding out, we, we like to wait, unless, of course, the decision has to be made and we would have to make it, but in the past, that really hasn't been the case. We just hold out until everyone is on board. And, um, and, and, and why do I bring that up? Because it says this, it says, for the people had the mind to work. In other words, if the Holy Spirit is doing the work, he's gonna be changing people's minds. Now, does that mean there's never gonna be opposition like within a church? No, and we're about to see that. <laughs> but, 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 as a general rule, the Holy Spirit moves in the people, and it says, for the people had a mind to work. Verse 7 is an extraordinary verse. It says, now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they became angry, and all of them conspired to come together and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. I just quoted today uh, to someone on the phone um, who uh, is going through a persecution. I quoted James chapter 3, and it just says uh, that the wisdom, the wisdom from below, which is demonic, chapter 3, verse 15, the wisdom from below, or the spirit of wisdom from below, is earthly, central, and demonic. There's going to be envy, self-seeking, and confusion. The enemy likes to sow confusion. And you'll find yourself especially when you launch a ministry or just generally in spiritual warfare, coming to places where just there's vexation. It's like there's just, there's just confusion, like what's going on? And notice how they said, they con verse 8, they conspired to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. 
Because if the devil can get the people of God just confused and vexed and not sure what they should do, that will be an effective attack to slow down or stop the work. And remember, this whole thing in Jerusalem, Satan had already come in and stopped the work. In the book of Ezra, we saw that through fear. But the thing that interests me about verse 7 is, uh, fascinates me, is that if you look geographically, <laughs> if you look geographically, uh, Sambalit was the governor of Samaria. Where was that in relationship to Jerusalem? I'm just going to be very impressed when you answer. Where's Samaria in relationship to Jerusalem? North, south, east, or west? North. Ah, yes. So I'm impressed. The Arabs? Arabia? Where was that? South. This is really, I'm going to be very impressed. The Ammonites. East. And the Ashdodites? West. I'm just utterly impressed with all of you. But, but this is like, this is very, this is not a, this is not a mistake. This is not like, oh, this happened to be like, no, this is the word of God. North, south, east, and west, everyone is coming against God's people. From north, south, east, and west. That is not a mistake there. And there will be times in your life, and just within, in the work of God, it will just seem like from every single direction that the devil is attacking. From every single direction. And what's the reaction to that? Exactly, verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. What is it going to take for us to learn that we, our first response is always, always prayer? I just had to apologize to my own daughter last night because I, I, um, I told her, oh yeah, I'm really sorry about this, you know. I didn't pray. I didn't pray before I made that decision. And so it's still happening um, to me. But I have learned just the incredible importance, particularly when you're surrounded on every side. Don't start screaming and yelling and freaking out. Get down on your knees and pray. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. And Jesus has that very interesting verse uh, that he says on a number of times. He says, watch and pray. And what does that mean, watch and pray? It's um, where he is, what, what he is talking, I believe. Um, well, he said it to the disciples when, um, I believe, at Gethsemane. But there were other places as well. And, and there could have been, watch, you know, we're going we're to have a bunch of people come against us tonight, literally. But it it's also has a profoundly spiritual meaning. 
it's just the discerning. What is the devil doing? Like looking, what kind of device is coming against me now? This person who, you know, um, th this person, you know, approached me with this idea, and that person approached me with that idea. And I was talking to a, a Christian leader this past week, and, and he's had a number of different people approach him, and, and, and he's realizing uh, some of these are from the devil. Uh, it may very well be from the devil, and it's very, very important to uh, to, 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 to be on watch. Remember what happened in the book of Joshua where he's going into the land. He's just, the Israelites are just wiping out all their enemies and the Gibeonites come and they fake, they, they fake who they are and they say, hey, can we make a treaty with you? We come from a faraway land. They were told, the, the Jews were told and Joshua were told, don't make any treaties with anyone. You got to wipe them all out. Um, but it says Joshua didn't pray, and he was a man of God. He was like a serious man of God. And there you have it. Even a man of God like Joshua. I mean, who's like him? Who can, among us can say we can hold a candle to Joshua? But he didn't pray because it looked so real. They had faked the whole thing. They had, look, here, look at my bread. It's moldy. You know, it's come from a faraway land. And what are their clothes? I can't remember the other thing. So important to watch and pray. So, but here they're, 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 it says they're watching literally uh, for enemies that are conspiring to attack, but they didn't stop. It's so important that you just continue walking. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, that God prepared for us beforehand. And then what's the last five, or five words? <sighs> that we may walk in them. Kenny knows his scripture. He's also heard that from me a hundred times. But, <laughs> but uh, it's true. We just have to walk in them. And there's like bullets flying and whatever. We just have to walk in them. And, 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 you know, if the Lord wants us to, to take us home and be with them, we can. But they just continue um, to, uh, they just continue to move forward. They continued to walk. I think about where, you know, we were in last Sunday morning, Philippians chapter 1. which was just so encouraging to me going back to the book of Acts and seeing Philippi and how it started. Who was it? I'm sorry, I'm filled with all these quizzes tonight. Who were the first three people saved? Gio. Do you remember who the first three people were saved? Oh, no, you were, you were outside of the service. Sorry. <laughs> What's that? Lydia. The, she was a seller of purple. The jailer. And we think the third person was... The slave girl, right. And then he was chased out, Paul was chased out of the city. Who's left? Listen, woman, seller of purple clothes, slave girl, and jail and his family. All God needs. That's all he needs. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, I was thinking, wow, what would have happened if like two weeks after Calvary Chapel started, um, I was like sent back to Boston I mean, rather to Miami. 
I, I, I was born up here, but I had returned here by way of Miami. And, uh, you know, obviously that's not what the Lord wanted, but that's always like a serious thing. You're losing the Apostle Paul and you're leaving a church to three brand new believers? All of them are apparently Gentiles? And, and it's an incredible thing. God used them. God just said, that's all I need, and he builds up a church. And the next time we're hearing about them, there's elders and deacons, and there's a, a great ministry who he's, who he's overjoyed with. He's so filled with joy of what the Lord has done in their lives. I was thinking of the difference between the, I didn't mention this on Sunday, I mean, but the difference between the beginning of Galatians and the beginning of Philippians. And in the beginning of Philippians, he goes, I love you guys. Every time I think of you, I'm, I'm filled with thanksgiving, I, and, and, and I miss you so much, it hurts physically. Galatians, the very beginning of Galatians, he says, I'm shocked that you guys have so soon have, have departed from the gospel. And then he says, if anyone comes and starts preaching a gospel other than I gave you, let him be eternally cursed. It's like, well, and then he repeats himself. Uh, Philippians is just a very unique book that Paul, that they, did, they just did so well. Um, with the Lord, and it just started with just the weakest of believers. It's, it's all the Lord needs. It really is all that he needs. The Gideon principle is so utterly important. God is not, he, it just says in Isaiah 43, he will, I will not give my glory to another. I believe that's Isaiah 43. I will not give my glory to another. And so, with Gideon, started off with 32,000 people to fight 120,000 Midianites. The Lord toward Gideon, the Lord said to Gideon to tell them, anyone who's scared, tell them to turn back and go home. 22,000 left. <laughs> so there's 10,000 left. And the Lord says, no, it's too so many. But you guys win, you're going to give yourself the glory. And then he did the lapping of the dog things, and there's only 300 left. And they beat 120,000 Midianites. That's 450 to 1. It's because God is seeking for his glory. And he's doing that in your life as well. Wherever you are. If you're alone at school. If you're alone in your job. If you're alone in your neighborhood. He wants to be glorified. He wants to show his glory. That um, you know, uh, the, the, the first, um, first Corinthians 1 129, famous verse, well, it says, no flesh shall glory in, in, in his presence. But it says in verse 27, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. God loves to see his glory. So they prayed. And they set a watch. Verse 10. Here's a, a totally different one. Um, there's a different device of Satan. Then Judah said, Judah being the, the people of Judah, they're, they're sort of they're the tribe of Judah, the province of Judah. 
where Jerusalem was at. The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Okay, so let's look at these few verses. First of all, there, you know, th this, it's so important that you understand, well, well, let me back up. It's so important that you get sleep. Because, and if you think it's spiritual not to get any sleep and walk around tired all the time, you, you're being deceived. Satan comes to you when you're tired and weary. And he lies to you. It's interesting, it, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it just speaks about the soul, the body, and the spirit will be preserved. There is a relationship of our body to our spirit, which I don't completely understand. I just know there's a connection. You have to take care of your body, or else your spirit is going to be affected. So Mike back there is nodding his head because he's a masseuse. And... Uh, uh, but, but, uh, but, but it really is true. You've got to take care of your body. Because when our body is, is, is sick and it's infirm and it's weak, that's when the devil comes. When did the devil come to Jesus? After 40 days. He's weak. He has had no, Matthew chapter 4, he's had no food. Comes in. Says, why don't you just turn those, those rocks to bread? Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but, by, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But it was when he was really weak, and wow, does Satan lie to me when I'm weak and tired. And, some, and, 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 you know, I've been doing this a little while. Sometimes I realize, okay, I know what's going on. I'm absolutely exhausted. I am going to bed. So the most spiritual thing to do many times is going to bed. Did you hear that, Joe? Praise the Lord. <laughs> It really is. They're weary, it says, because they've been, their strength is failing, and while they're weary, the devil, in verse 11, is lying to them. And there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. And so, so you know, there's so much, uh, I, I, it's probably like material and stuff that is being thrown aside because they're building the wall and they're getting stuff out of the way in order to uh, properly build it. But verse 12 says, the Jews who dwelt near them came, and they, they said they told us ten times. So, so lies of the devil will be boom, ping, 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 just continual. Just boom, 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 boom. They told us ten times. And it appears to me in verse 12 that, that, that these are people who have genuinely given into fear. You know, we saw it in the pandemic and, and, and other times, and there will, be, there will be times where there's just a lot of fear, and um, just be really, really careful. Like, Christians were sending me videos that the vaccination was going to be killing millions of people within a year. Within a year. They, they had a time period. 
actually it was less than a year. And um, there were people listening to that and people filled with fear. And it's important when you're in an environment where it's really intense, and believe me, we're going to have an, we're going to have another. Who knows? We may have another pandemic. But there's going to be. If it's not a pandemic, there's going to be other things. Be careful of your fear, and be careful when uh, when you see like when there are people like giving in to fear. It's there's nothing wrong with making an honest judgment. How spiritual are these people? Where are they in the level of spiritual health? I'm not, I, I, and, and there's nothing wrong with doing that and saying, I'm not going to join into that. It's clearly not of God. And, and look to the people in your life who are strong in the Lord. What are they doing? What was Nehemiah doing? He wasn't, he, like, that's, what, that's what they really should have been doing. Is, it, it, I'm sure a lot of them were, uh, it, it, because he was a strong man of God. He was a man of prayer. And... Uh, so um, it, it looks like fear is taking over, and, and in verse 10, their strength is going down uh, 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 big time. And it says in verse 13, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren and your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. You know, I, the, the other response, there's one response, first response, anytime there's spiritual warfare, pray, but if prayer... Prayer without the Word of God is only going to last you so long. I, I, you know, this, there are some folks that, are, that don't realize that they set off praying and praying and praying and praying, but there's no accompanying Word. It's only a matter of time till they fall. It's just only a matter of time. And, and here, when I say, remember the Lord great and awesome, it just, it just stirs up in me just different, different places in the Bible where the Lord showed himself great and awesome. Psalm 93 says, The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. So God is on his throne and he's not worrying and fearing. Why are you? I speak that to my own heart. Verse 3, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. I love that. Being sort of a person who grew up on and off right on the ocean. I mean, I'm telling you, like big time waves on the ocean, man, you, <laughs> you don't want to mess with them. Wow. Um, verse 5, your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. And just remembering the Lord of God. He says, remember 
the Lord great and awesome. I believe it's, it's really to a, an appeal to the scripture that they knew very well about how great and mighty and awesome the Lord is. And so, so important. In your ministry, in your life, when you're being attacked by the devil, if you are neglecting the word of God, that's just nuts. You're just going to be put on the shelf by the devil if you neglect the word of God. Verse 15, and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us, meaning their plot, and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. And I do think it's important that the Lord moves supernaturally. He moves supernaturally. and to pray for the supernatural. I was just reading in 1940 when Hitler decided to invade England. He had beaten everyone else already, France. Every, everyone had been overturned, so he was going to go over to Britain, and he started bombing London, and, and so he was going to bomb London and, and then uh, and take out as many planes as possible so that when they actually came over... Um, over the English Channel on boats to invade England, there would be no air cover. And there's just this story about how there was this prayer college, which, man, I'd love to, I, I want to start a prayer college. I just read about this last night. There was a prayer college that just took the, 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 the British had very few planes, and but the planes went up, they got some intelligence that a whole bunch of uh, German planes had headed out over them. And there was, I guess, some kind of uh, wall or something which showed the movement of the German planes. And then all of a sudden the planes turned around and no one knew why, because um, there was no storm, there wasn't a weather issue, and there was only a few British planes after them, and they, I guess they, they, they got, uh, they interviewed a couple of the German planes that came down, and, and, and they said there was thousands of planes coming against them. They're like, what are you talking about, thousands of planes? Hundreds or thousands or whatever, and, and more than one said that. And I just believe it was the prayers from that prayer college, the prayers of the saints. God moves supernaturally. And here they found out about the plot supernaturally. God's joining himself to his people. And he's showing his people that he moves in the supernatural realm. Verse 16, so it was from that time on, half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and war armor, and leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand 
they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was by me. So the one who sounded the trumpet, I believe that would have been the one who, you know, if someone came, or rather if the enemies were coming in and attacking, the trumpet would sound. Verse 19, then I said to the nobles, the rulers and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. So wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there, our God will fight for us. In other words, if the trumpet sounds because the enemy was coming on one side of Jerusalem, everyone would go to where the sound of the trumpet was. So we labored in the work. And half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. That's a long time. Some, from sunrise to sunset. And at the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servants stay at night in Jerusalem that they may be our guard by night and a, a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. And, you know, one of the, one of the uh, things that I really take from this chapter is the importance of working really hard. You know, from time to time, it just creeps into the body of Christ, this, this thing that, you know, if you're real spiritual, you're not working really hard at ministry. That's just pure nonsense. I, 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 that's never how um, it's presented in the Word of God. Now, the Word of God does have time for rest, time for sabbaticals. I just went to Peru for three weeks last summer. I was helping a church plant, but I was also just on long prayer walks during the day, resting, being disconnected. But for the most part, God's people work really, really hard. <laughs> and, and there are exceptions to that. And of course, there's physical illness and disabilities and stuff like that. But I mean, wherever God has you, even, you know, I have one sister who is just... I talk to from time to time. She's she's disabled. She feels so bad because everyone's helping her and no one, she can't help anyone else. I said, well, pray. Just pray. Let that be, let that be what you do. Pray. But these people are working hard. And um, yeah, it's true. We don't want to do anything in the flesh. We don't want to replace the power of God for human strength. But the Lord has called us to hard work. And there will be a day when our labors cease. And when Jesus returns or we go to heaven. But in the meantime, it's, it's hard work. Now we need to take care of our bodies physically. We need to be seeking the Lord and setting aside time for him. Very, very important. Um, but this is hard work. These guys are working really hard. And... Um, 
But I, I, I tell you, I love Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? But he has called us into the battle. He's called us into the battle. And, and I'm just going to end. <laughs> I'm going to end tonight just like I ended on, on, on Sunday morning. People will hear, he who began a good work in us will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And there is a type of Christian who, yeah, that means I don't really have to do a whole lot, just God's going to do everything. But the same guy who said that, said in Philippians chapter 3, brethren, I do not count myself to have gotten it, meaning been the person that God wants me to be and to do the things that God has called me to be. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Don't you just love that part of the verse? Ah, I hear every time I hear that, it's like so wonderful. Forgetting what is behind, because oh man, do we have a trail of mistakes <laughs> and stupidity and sin. And, but, but, but there's grace. Be strong in the grace, the Bible says. But one thing I do, forgetting those which are behind and reaching forward. Now most translations say straining. Like there's the sense in that Greek, those Greek words that reaching ahead, it's like you're, you're straining, you're working, you're, you're working hard, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So why don't we... Uh, you know, it would be really good if we could worship. Do you guys have a couple worship songs for us? Not to put you on a spot or anything like that. I mean, you can rep repeat some of the ones that we already did. Um, but, let's, but let's just think about how... Uh, the concepts of our, our, of our worship tonight are, you know, there's... God has opened for us doors of opportunity and ministry, but there are many adversaries. I'm just really thankful for all the life that the Lord continuously brings into our church and the opportunities of dis for discipleship and, and this like that, but there's many adversaries. There's many craziness. You guys... The Lord spares you guys of some of the craziness. The, the things that Satan does, I tell you, it's just unbelievable. I, I, there are many adversaries, but our response is what? Prayer. Worship, worship is prayer. We worship God. We don't fear. We worship him.